There's a story about four people. Four people are named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done and everybody was asked to do it. Everybody was sure somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought anybody could do it, but nobody realized everybody wouldn't do it. It ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. Have you ever seen a job that got failed to be done and wondered whose job was that? You ever had something where you looked and something that should have been done wasn't done and the question comes up, whose job was it to make sure it got done? Maybe you pulled out of your driveway on Christmas Day and looked at the street and thought, whose job is this? That your street wasn't plowed or hadn't been plowed yet. I was just grateful for those who went out on Christmas Day and did that. Uh, but, uh, but maybe your street didn't get plowed and you wondered that. Or maybe you go to work and you go to the coffee bar and it's early in the morning and you need your morning coffee fix and, and you are just barely awake and you, the, you, know, you warm up the Keurig machine and you go to get one of those pods and they're empty. Drawers empty, the cabinet's empty, no pods anywhere and you think, whose job is it to fill the coffee? Or maybe it's at your home, a little closer to home and you come down in the morning and the sink is filled with dishes. And the dishwasher is 30 inches to the left. And you think, whose job is this? Or who do they think's job it is that left the dishes here? Whose job is it? Sometimes work doesn't get done that should be done. And the question is, whose job is it? Whose job is it to do these jobs? (laughs) Whose job? I like this one. I like to think that bikers are smarter than that. Someone just had a cruel sense of humor. This one's not even, you're not even trying. I mean, you're not even trying. There. Maybe. I don't know. There you go. Whose job is it? There's work to be done, and, uh, but if we don't understand what the work is and whose job it is to do it, work will often go undone. And as we come to the end of 2017, we start to begin a new year, 2018, we're starting off with a new series, Fully Equipped, All You Need to Do Your Best Work This Year. And really, it starts off with a fundamental question. What's the work that needs to be done, and whose job is it to do it? Now, we could ask that about a lot of things, but I want to talk specifically as we're in church this morning. And when it comes to the work of the church, when it comes to the work of someone who calls themselves a Christian, who's a follower of Jesus Christ, what is the work that needs to be done and whose job is it to do it? Whose job is it to make sure that it gets done? There's a passage of scripture I want us to look at this morning in Ephesians chapter 4. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to pick up in verse 11. If you don't have a Bible with you, there should be one in a chair either in front of you or or just uh, just below you in the rack below you. There should be a Bible there. 
Uh, and you can turn to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to pick up in verse 11. In Ephesians 4, the apostle Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he gets to a point where he starts writing about some of the work that needs to be done by the church and who is the one that's supposed to do it. And as we get to begin to start a new year, I think it's good for us to stop and pause and remind ourselves as a church body and as individual Christians, what's the work we're supposed to be doing and who is supposed to be doing it. You've probably got some things that you want to get accomplished in 2018. Maybe you've made a list of goals. Maybe you've made a list of resolutions, whatever you want to call them, things you want to get done. Um, I want to suggest to you this morning that there's some work as a Christian that all of us should be doing. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11, we're jumping in the middle of a sentence. Uh, Paul is talking about uh, some of the things that Christ has given to his church. And he says in verse 11, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. For building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by cunning, uh, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes, rather Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When, every, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Paul in this passage is talking about the work that needs to be done and who is supposed to do it. I want to first make the observation that as Paul writes these words, he's writing to Christians. He's writing to people who are already a part of the church. He's writing to people like you and me. Uh, maybe you're in here and you're not a Christian, so you can overhear a little bit of what's said to the church, because this is really said to the church. Paul writes these words to the church and he says, here's the work that needs to be done and here's how it's to be done or who's supposed to be doing it. And what is the work that needs to be done? Paul says it in verse 15. He says, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head and into Christ. One of the most important works that you can do in 2018 is to grow up. And again, he's writing this to Christians. He's writing this to people who know Jesus. And he says, some of the most important things that you can do is to grow up. And now, that may sound a little strange for us. That may sound for those of you that may have, been, uh, maybe, may have been following Jesus for many years of your life. Or maybe you haven't, but you're an adult. And telling someone telling you to grow up sounds a little strange. But that's what Paul says. He says, your work is to grow up, to grow up individually, to grow up in Christ. And he, and he tells us what he means by that. He says you're to grow up in the knowledge of Jesus. And when I say that, some of us might think, well, I know Jesus. I've known Jesus all my life. I've grown up in the church. You know, Pastor, I, I've been, I grew up in a church coming as a little kid. I know Jesus. 
And yet Paul, writing to Christians, says, you're to grow in the knowledge of the Son of God. I'd look at it this way. Um, My wife Wendy over here is sitting here. We've been married for this year will be 21 years, which is getting close to being longer married than not married. So you can figure out my age from there. But, so we've been married 21 years, and I know a lot about Wendy. But I'm still getting to know things about Wendy. In fact, she's probably learning some things about me that she probably wished she knew years ago about me. (laughs) And you know that, right? No matter how long you know somebody, you're still, there are things about them you don't know your kids, your friends, your family members. You can know someone, but you'd be a fool to think you knew everything about someone. You're still getting to know them. And I think it's in the same way that Paul writes this and tells us that we are constantly to be growing in the knowledge of Jesus. If I can't know a person in all the years I've lived and know everything about them, how could I possibly think that I know everything about Jesus? How can I possibly think that I know everything about the Son of God, that I know everything that there is to know about God himself? How could I possibly think that? I'd be a fool to think that. And so Paul says one of the most important things and one of your most important jobs is to grow and what you're supposed to grow in is the knowledge of Jesus. Who is Jesus? How about his love, his care, his compassion? There's so much that we can grow in. He also says that you're to grow so that you are not tossed to and fro by every idea that comes along. And the image he uses is of a boat on a sea without a rudder. Uh, That this is, once you're a vessel on the sea without a rudder, you've got no way to steer. The only way you're moving is whichever way the waves toss you, whichever way the wind blows you, and whichever way the current is moving. And that's the direction you're going to go. And Paul says, if you don't grow up in Christ, if you don't grow up in the knowledge of Christ, if you're not constantly growing in him, you're going to be like a boat on the sea that the cultural winds will blow, the cultural waves will go, and you're only going to move in the direction of the latest and greatest idea. And we know that. We've probably all seen people that maybe came to church one week and they're like, oh, this is just what I was looking for. And then it's a few weeks go by. It's like, hey, I haven't seen you in church for a while. Oh, yeah, I found something else that was just what I was looking for. I found it in this book or that TV show or that guru or this or that. Because if you don't grow up in Christ, if you don't put down roots and you don't grow in your knowledge of them, every wind, every wave, every, that's what you're going to be blowing with, just directed by And then he goes on to say that be careful because you need to grow up in Christ because you will be taken in by deceitful schemes and human cunning. In other words, he says there's some people out there that are intentionally going to try and pull you away from Christ. The image of human cunning and deceitful schemes is an image of people playing dice and the game is rigged against them. That there is a cunningness going on. Someone is trying to strategically pull you away. But if you, and if you are not growing up in Christ, if you don't have solid roots, if you're not growing in the knowledge of God, then Paul's saying you can be pulled away. And then he finally says, grow up in Christ so that you can grow to the place where you are speaking the truth to one another in love. In other words, you're growing in maturity. 
You've learned not only truth, but you've learned how to walk in grace and truth with one another. And so we're to grow in Christ individually. And what Paul also says is when you do that, in verse 16, he says when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When you and I take grow in Christ, not only do we grow individually, but as a church and as a church of Jesus Christ, it says then it starts like a synergy, self-propagating, growing together and becoming all God has called it to be. And so part of the work that you and I are called to do in 2018 and an important work is to grow in Christ. As you're making your list of goals, as you're making your list of resolutions of what you plan to do this year, my suggestion is somewhere at the top of that list, you just put grow in Christ. And how will you do that? Because then the next question is whose job is it to grow in Christ? Whose job is it to do this growing? Whose job is it to do this growing work? I think in the church at times, and when I say church, I mean, I'm speaking not just of Mount Hope here in Burlington or Belmont. I'm using the, the church at large throughout the world and throughout history. And I think at the church at times uh, at large, we've made a mistake. Uh, the church at large at times, I think we've created divisions where God meant for there to be distinctions. Uh, we've created a division where God meant for there to be distinctions. I think in this passage we're looking at this morning, uh, Paul gives us some distinctions in the church. But I'm afraid that in the history and in the past, that sometimes in the church we've made them into divisions. And one of the big ones is this one called, uh, in church language, a clergy laity division. You understand what I mean by that clergy way? Clergy, I'm sure everyone knows, that's usually the pastor in some churches, it's a priest, it's, it's, it's that person that leads the clergy um, uh, that would lead the church. And then laity, uh, it comes from the Greek word laos, which just means of the people. And so basically non-clergy. And we've created at times a division where God meant for there to be a distinction. And if we're not careful what we've done and we've allowed to happen, and I would say both clergy and laity have allowed it to happen, is that this work of growth gets contracted out from everybody to the paid professional. And so we create a division instead of a distinction. And so the work of ministry is then that's the clergy's job. It's, it's, it's not hard for us to understand why this happens because we live in a world that contracts almost everything out. We live in a world that contracts ev almost every job out. In fact, we live in a world that perhaps more than any other time in history, you can contract pretty much anything out you don't want to do. Um, some people call it the gig economy. That there's a gig out there to do and there's someone that will do it. You can, you can find someone to do anything. I mean, it used to be, sure, you could find someone to cut your lawn, shovel your driveway, maybe clean your house. Uh, but now you can find all of that, but you can also find someone who will pick out that perfect gift for your special someone for Christmas if you don't feel like you can do that. 
Uh, you can find someone who will recommend clothes for you to wear in an outfit. You can find someone with your phone who will drive you around wherever you want to drive you. You can find someone who will deliver groceries to your house. You can find someone who will put that piece of Ikea furniture together that you got for Christmas that is frustrating you to no end. You can find someone to do almost, and you can even find someone, I found out about this one recently, if you, to walk your dog. You can, there are more than one app out there where you can walk, where you can find someone to walk your dog. It used to be that if you were a dog owner, you were also a dog walker, or at least someone in your household was. Not anymore. You can be a dog owner without being a dog walker. You could just go on the app, and on the app, there's two categories. There are dog owners, there are dog walkers. You put in who you, you know, when you want them to come, and where you want them to be, and how long you want them to walk, and that wasn't long enough, so I'm on the app. I'll add another 20 minutes, keep that dog out there. I'm not ready for them to come home. And you can have someone that will come and walk your dog so you don't have to walk your dog. We contract out almost anything. We're used to contracting things out. And it's not just apps. We've been doing it for years. It used to be that if you wanted a house, you would build a house. Or you would find someone who would help you build a house. If you wanted clothes, you would sew them. I don't remember these days, but I'm told they existed. If you wanted food, you grew it. Uh, we contract that out. Most of us don't grow our own food, at least not all of it, to sustain us. We don't make our own clothes. We don't build our own houses. We contract that out to experts. So here's the danger. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But here's the danger. The danger is we can come into a place like this and we can sit in comfortable chairs in a nice warm room and we can see the pastor on the platform and we can think he's the one that does the work of ministry. We have contracted that out. That's how the work of ministry gets done. And to be fair, much of the church has propagated this because we like it. Uh, for clergy, many times there are clergies that promote and propagate this, whether willingly or knowingly or unknowingly, because they like it. Because we like it. People like maybe being known as the one who is in charge or has answers or people like being the one who uh, is needed and is busy at times. Uh, so the clergy doesn't mind it because uh, they, they feel needed, they feel busy, they feel important. And the laity doesn't mind it because they're more than welcome at times. Say, hey, yeah, go ahead. You want to do the work? Go do the work. And we can come and we'll show up when you tell us to show up and we'll give to what you want us to give to and we can walk away feeling like we've done our spiritual work and we don't have to feel guilty about not doing our spiritual work and you can walk away feeling important and feeling like you're doing something you know, that you want to do and everybody's happy except the Lord because what happens in this system is nobody is growing. And we started off saying the work that we're supposed to be doing is growing. And nobody grows in that scenario. 
The clergy's not growing because they're too busy doing things other than that everyone else is supposed to be doing. And the laity's not growing because they're more than happy to pass off the growth and all that spiritual stuff. Hey, pastor, you take care of that. I got other things to do. And in this scenario, what happens is we contract out some of the most important work that we are supposed to do. But there are some things that can't be contracted out. There are some things you can't have someone else do for you. I mean, think about this. Imagine uh, this is the time of year a lot of people start thinking about exercise and gym memberships. And there's a new gym opening up in Burlington here down there. It's enormous down there. I'm not sure what all is going to be in there, but it's huge. But I don't know what they're all doing in there. But if I showed up, imagine I showed up one day when they opened their grand opening. And I'm like, okay, I'm excited. New gym. Uh, I want to get in shape. How much do I have to pay to get in shape? I don't want to do any of the work. I want to pay someone who will do the work. I want, I'll pay someone to do push-ups. I'll pay someone to do chin-ups, sit-ups, Pilates, whatever you want. I'll pay someone to do it. I mean, you can't, there's some things you can't contract out. There's some things you can't pay someone else to do. I can't grow and pay someone to grow in knowledge by paying a professor to grow in their knowledge. I can't grow in, in my mental health by paying a counselor to do the work for me. You got to be involved in the process. You can contract out walking your dog, but you can't contract out Working out and getting in shape and eating better. I'm going to pay this person to eat a low cholesterol diet and I'm eating french fries and burgers all day. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Some things you can't contract out. And same thing in the church. I'm not denying there are some things that people are good at and should do and could do and not everybody should do and could do. You don't want me up here doing any of this. You don't want me playing drums, guitar, piano, and you certainly don't want me singing up here. <laughs> there are some things that some people could do and should be doing because of the way God has gifted and skilled them and, and made them, absolutely. But that doesn't get everyone off the hook for contracting out worship. Oh, their worship. They do worship. All right. We got worship covered. What's next? That's not how it works. There are people who are gifted to sing and play instruments, but we are all called to grow in our worship. We are all called to worship God and sing. And that's why when you come in here on a Sunday morning and we're singing together, it's not, this isn't a concert. These people aren't here to entertain you. They are here to lead us as we participate in the worship of the living God. And they're using their skills and operating in a sweet spot of their life to do that. I think we all have sweet spots of life and ministry that God calls us to operate in. When I look at a person's ministry sweet spot, I, I often think about four criteria. If you think about, okay, where am I supposed to be? Where am I supposed to be operating? Where am I supposed to be ministering? And I talk about a ministry sweet spot, and I think of four different criteria that I use for that. One is, are you skilled and gifted in that area? Do you, do you have skills and gifts that you can build and grow in, that, in an area? Do you have a passion and a heart to do that? 
Because if you're not doing it with the right passion and the right heart, it's not only you're going to have to force yourself to do it, but you're not going to do it in the right way for the right reason. Do you have an opportunity to use the gift? Because you may be gifted and skilled and passionate about it, but there's absolutely no opportunity for it. There needs to be opportunity for the gift. And fourth, do you have external affirmation from spiritual leaders and other people in your life that you trust and uh, that have affirmed that gift in you? I think when those four things come together, you operate in a ministry sweet spot. And there are places where each of us will find our sweet spot of ministry. But just because there are certain people who are gifted and skilled in that way doesn't excuse the rest of us from doing and participating in certain things. There are certain people that they can get up and they can hit their knees and they can be in prayer for hours. And they can intercede for others and they call out to God and, and for them it's, it's nothing. It feels so natural and maybe that's not you. But you can't contract out, you're praying to them. We're all called to pray. We're all called to be in communication and talk to God. And there are some that are gifted to give. The Bible talks about a, a gift of giving. There are some that are just extremely generous wherever they go, whatever they're doing. They're always giving. They're always generous with everything. But that doesn't excuse the rest of us from giving. We're all called to be generous. We're all called to sacrificially give. We're all called to do these things. There are some who may be gifted to uh, read scripture publicly. And if you've ever heard this done well, you know what I'm talking about. Someone who reads the scripture in such a way that it, it comes alive for you and all they're doing is reading the words on the page, but it doesn't excuse the rest of us from reading the Bible. We can't contract out our personal Bible reading to someone else. Now you can have Max McLean read it and listen to it on your Bible audio app. But it doesn't excuse us. We have to get into the word ourselves. There are some things we cannot contract out. There may be some people who are really compassionate and merciful, empathetic. And you know, you, you might look at that and you think, oh, that is not me. I'm the last person to realize that someone, you know, needs compassion or help. But that doesn't excuse me from being a merciful, kind person. We're all called to do those things. So this work of the ministry, this work of growing in Christ is something that God has given to us and he has called all of us to do the work. Has he given some specific people Certain work, of course, he has. But he has created distinction and not division. Distinction and not di division. Look at how that passage started. Chapter 4, verse 11. He says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers, and say these next words with me. Oh, they, yeah, there they are. To equip the saints for the work of ministry. What it doesn't say is he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers to do all the work of the ministry. The job of all these people, distinctions, not divisions, because they're required to do the work too, distinctions, not divisions, is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Well, who are the saints? The church. 
Christians, the church, are the saints. So the job of the leaders is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. That's the work. Building up of the body of Christ. Growing in Christ. So there's distinction there. And there's an important job. And there's a job that pastors and leaders are called to do. But sometimes we lose sight of what that job is. And as we close out one year and as we begin another year, I want us to be careful to recognize that we know what the work is that we're supposed to be doing. I was reading a book recently and I, uh, about leadership and pastors and leading and a line I read caught me off guard at first. It said, as a pastor, you stop doing ministry the moment you enter ministry. And I had to reread that to make sure that's what he wrote. And I'm not sure, I think it's a little bit of hyperbole, but I understand what he means. If you go into ministry and you spend your time as a pastor just doing all the ministry, you are going to fail in your primary ministry, which is equip others to do the ministry God has called them to. And so there's a distinction there. Pastors and clergy are not called to do all the work of the ministry to contract it out, but they are called to equip the church and the saints to do the ministry that God has called them to. And so maybe you come to this year and you think about the work that God has called you to and the ministry God has called you to and maybe sometimes you think, well, I don't know enough. I haven't been following God enough. I don't, I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough schooling. I don't have all the answers I would remind you of a group of men, a group of men who were not religious people, who didn't know a lot, who were not the best of the best, who were not the guys that people would go to for religious advice or counsel, and who pretty much smelled like fish all of the time. And Jesus called them to himself, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And these men went out and changed the world for Jesus' sake. And you and I are those people. Not qualified because we have the right schooling and the right education or the right, but because Jesus called us to himself and he sends us out to do the work that he has called us to. Jesus empowers us to do that work. So there's work to do in 2018. Do you want to do the work that God put you here to do? We live in a world that contracts everything out, but there are some things that can't be contracted out. So in 2018, contract out your snow shoveling if you can and you want to. Contract out cutting your grass or cleaning your house or walking your dog even if you want to. But don't contract out your most important work. Don't contract out your spiritual growth. Don't contract out your Bible reading, time in God's word. Don't contract out prayer. Don't contract out giving or sharing the gospel with people. That's what God has called us to. That's the work that the Lord has called us to all together. And when the church is working right, and when we are each doing our part, 
Then verse 16 comes to be. It says, we grow up into the head into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. When the church is working right, and when we are each doing our part, then we are growing individually, and the church is growing. And the most joyful times for me as a pastor, that clergy side, whatever you want to call it, is when I get to see the church acting like the way the church is supposed to act. You hear about a group that's meeting in a home and they're praying for each other and they're loving each other and they're caring for each other and they know each other's needs and they're serving one another and they're living out the commands of Christ. Someone's in the hospital and the pastor's not the first one there because people from the church have already been there to minister and to love and to bless and to pray for them. Uh, someone's in the, you're in a neighborhood and to hear about people that are inviting friends and uh, inviting neighbors and getting to know them and building relationships because it is our job to take the light of Christ to our neighbors. Not the pastor's job, not the evangelist's job. I don't live in your neighborhood. I don't work at your job. I don't have your relatives. You can't contract that out. You don't have my relatives. You don't, you don't live in my neighborhood. I can't contract that out. This is the work of the ministry that God has called us to. So in 2018, of all the things that you're looking to do, make one of the most important of them to grow up in Christ. And whose job is it? It's yours and it's mine to do together. My greatest job as a pastor is to help you help yourself to equip the saints for the work, the ministry God has called them to. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you. God, I thank you that you gave us work to do. I thank you that we can continue to grow in you. That we can continue to know you more and more. That we can continue to grow in our love for one another. That when you called us, Lord, you have called us to important work that there is for us to do. And important jobs that you have for us, Lord. And so I pray, God, that you would help each and every one of us to understand the work that you have called us to do, Lord. Father, I pray that you would help, Lord, the, the man or the woman in here who feels stagnant, who feels, uh, Lord, like their walk with you somehow took a pause or came to a halt years ago. Lord, I pray today that you would renew that passion, that you would renew a hunger and a thirst to know you more, Lord. Lord, I pray for that person who, who, who has never been able to find the work that they are supposed to do. Lord, I pray that they would find in you purpose and contentedness and passion for work, for loving others, for living for you, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us as a church to grow in our knowledge of you. God, that we would not be tossed by every wind and idea, but we would grow in you such that we would be solid in the truth and understanding of who you are and who you've called us to be, Lord.
Lord, may we each do our work so that the body of Christ may grow up in love, Lord. Lead us in this way. Guide us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.